Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, President and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. This is your host, Alan Alford, freshly back from Black Hat. I literally got home yesterday, uh, and I recorded a whole lot of folks at the show, in the hallways, on the floor, at afterwards uh, get-togethers. You name it, I recorded folks. Mix of practitioners, vendors, all manner of smart people, asking them all about their Black Hat experience and what they thought was coming in cyber. And I think it's a great compendium and a great uh, telling of my story at Black Hat, so please do give it a listen. A lot of good folks here with a lot of wisdom. Without further ado, here we go. This is Danny Wolf, CEO of Audience First. What is up, Alan Alford? I am loving the Black Hat experience so far. I got to tell you, um, this has been an incredible conference so far for me. Oh gosh. I have been doing podcasting. I have been interviewing folks. I have done day job work. I have done consulting work. Uh, and now here I am at a Security Tinkerer's Whiskey event. And, That's uh, it? That's all you did? And life is good, man. How about you? What's the highlights of the show for you so far? Uh, highlights of the show, um, seeing folks, seeing, you know, family, what I consider family. I'm yeah. going to take a chapter out of uh, Chris's book. Yeah, yeah. Um, but most importantly is collaborating with, with CISOs and with vendors to try and uh, figure out how to optimize the way they're doing things on both sides. I love um, it. I love it. I've got a live show tomorrow at 1230 on the floor at the Palo Alto booth. Nice. Chris Tillett from Palo yeah, and I Chris was are, are doing night. CISO vendor. Love it. What are you doing wrong? What are you doing right? How do we tonight. help each other? He invited me. He's like, come by the Palo booth. I'm doing some stuff with uh, with Alan. I'm like, right on. I'm going to be there. It'll be good. It'll be real good. So any uh, any words for my audience as a fellow podcaster and person who is really working very hard in our industry to improve the way marketing is done? I got a largely CISO audience. Yeah. What's your tips for them? What do you what 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 message do you want my audience to hear? I just say be patient. You know, um, be open, be curious, be be available to to take some some calls or give some time to give feedback to folks who are trying to really uh, solve some challenging issues for you all. Um, you know, a lot of them. While you know, while our industry has a lot of challenges to overcome with regards to sales tactics, marketing tactics, the way things are done on the, on the VC front. There are a lot of um, uh, vendors, a lot of uh, early stage startups, growth stage startups that really want to do things the right way and need some time. I love so it. So just be patient, be curious uh, equally as they are, um, and, and just have fun and stay healthy, really. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, thanks so much, Danny. Thank you, Don. Uh, I'm Daniel Blackford with Proofpoint. Right on. And what do you do over at Proofpoint? I lead the portion of the threat research program that focuses on uh, financially motivated activities. So all the major botnets, business email compromise, uh, credential harvesting of every flavor, uh, basically anything that's not nation state sponsored. So, so the, the stuff that 90% of us are dealing with 90% of the time. Exactly. It's in your dashboard right now. Right on. So I, I will tell my listeners I am a Proofpoint customer, um, but that's not what prompted this conversation. I really wanted to talk about you guys do a lot of research. You guys kind of stay ahead of the pack. And I want to know, what do you think is coming at us? You know, what's the future state of, of cyber threats? What's coming at us? Yeah, so I think right now, uh, every single person you talk to wants to mention AI. I actually want to step away from AI in the kind of traditional sense in that 
Uh, a lot of people are concerned about AI-generated malware. Uh, maybe uh, you know social engineering content is being improved. Um, but I think those are mostly solved cases, and I'm more interested in AI from the perspective of how can small, loosely affiliated uh, organizations which are starting to mirror legitimate businesses use AI in the same way that small and medium businesses might to scale their operations. So like, for example, we saw with ContiLeaks, uh, you know, they already have like a strict hierarchy of managers and coders and some people manage the infrastructure. Uh, 60, uh, 60 people in that organization. Could you get similar results with five people uh, if you use, if you apply AI in the right way? Um, so definitely looking uh looking at the horizon there to see what's coming right on that's uh that's that's good stuff to be thinking about for sure now let me ask you what's got you excited in cybersecurity what's not to be excited about uh like literally new things are happening every single day right um that's keeps me not bored keeps me interested um so i think you know one of the biggest changes going back to uh, April of last year in the in the post Microsoft announcement to disable macros by default is that um, threat actors of every flavor have uh, started more rapidly iterating through their kind of development cycles uh, before a detection, uh, you know, based around some uh, weaponized macro document uh, would hold for three months. Now they're making changes um, that need to be resolved on three day cycles in some cases. Um, so we just continue to see curveballs uh, and salt, you know, being there the day that it happens so that we can get the detection implemented and uh, into our products is uh, exciting in general. Right on. Last question for you, the Black Hat experience. What's been the highlight so far? I don't know. I gave a talk this morning and I was like uh, obsessed. I had a lot of adrenaline coming in. I didn't go out last night. I like prepped for my for my talk. So now that we're, we're wrapping up here, I'll be able to go and uh, really dive in. But um, it's always a huge crowd. Uh, the, the business hall uh, is becoming more and more, um, uh, I don't know, RSA-like. Uh, it's uh, Black Hat this year, uh, you know, is, is the latest in a trend uh, away from uh, maybe its origins. But uh, incredible group of people. So you know, meeting new people and networking is always the best part for me. Right on. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thanks, Alan. I'm happy to be here. I'm Dean Sussman, co-founder and CEO at Exonius. Exonius. You guys have got a huge rep in the industry. Um, how's your black hat been so far? Are you having meetings? What are you doing so far? Uh, fantastic. Besides the fact that I was held up uh, because of the thunderstorms on the East Coast. But other than that, I've really, really loved seeing how many people have come here and it feels like this is the year where we really went back to the same level of attendance and, you know, engagement as pre-COVID. So I'm super excited to see everyone. That's fantastic. So what's, uh, what's top of mind for you now this year? So obviously at Exonius, what we talk a lot about is uh, cybersecurity asset management, which is a category name we pioneered um, when we started six years ago. And now Gartner has even, you know, embraced the term and called it CASM, cybersecurity uh, asset attack surface management, which uh, adds some more specificity to it. But, you know, we've launched a lot of other products within what we now call the Exonus platform, where we're trying to help organizations become the system of record for everything in their digital infrastructure. And that's, you know, between devices, identities, SaaS applications, vulnerabilities, um, and installed software all in one place. And we're 
like really seeing how much the attraction, the market of the pain point that almost every organization of every size still wants to build their program on the fundamentals of understanding their environment and having the right asset management. Um, and that's what we're here to talk about during the conference. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. Have a great conference. All right. Thank you, Alan. Uh, this is Deepin Desai. I'm the head of security research at Zscaler. Head of security research. So what do you do at Zscaler then? Well, I, I, I wear two hats. One is the CISO hat, and the other is where I'm responsible for tracking threat landscape uh, and ensuring thousands of customers that rely on Zscaler are protected. I love that. And just so you know, I'm a Zscaler fan. Uh, I have been a Zscaler user in, in a very large enterprise context. Uh, saw you guys as being a very valuable solution and integral to our to our entire program over there. Um, let's talk a little bit about ransomware. What's the latest going on there? Yeah, so we, we just published our annual ransomware report, and um, I'll, I'll call out three key trends that we saw. Number one is encryption-less attacks. These are attacks where there's no longer file encryption taking place. They're just stealing your data, and I'm talking about terabytes and terabytes of data, and then they're demanding ransom. The second trend that we're seeing is more and more weaponization of zero-day, end-day vulnerability exploits. Uh, so um, the most recent one that I can point out is the Move It, where Clop Ransomware Group jumped on it. You could think of any other uh, major high-profile vulnerabilities like Log4j or, or Exchange Server vulnerabilities. Ransomware gangs are becoming quick in weaponizing their payload, hitting the infrastructure that's even inside the environment, and then uh, you know, stealing the data from Crown Gel application. And then the third, uh, and this is a growing trend from last couple of years, is ransomware as a service, where it becomes very easy for anyone to launch very, very sophisticated attack, conduct ransomware operations, uh, you know, collecting ransom. End-to-end -end workflow is all, you know, uh, served as a shelf. All right, so Zscaler, big company, big presence, big name in cyber. Um, every time you meet a big company, there's always something they do to give back to the community. Uh, reports, that kind of thing. What are you guys doing in that space? So if you look at the report, the, the thing that we're sharing with the community is the data set that we collect in our cloud. We see 300 billion transactions on a daily basis. That results in about 500 trillion intelligence signals. The team actually looks at all of that and comes up with these trends. Uh, you will see uh, dissection by industry verticals, which industries are they going after, which regions are they going after, which ransomware families are more prevalent than the other. What are some of these trends? What are the IOCs related to these attacks? So everything that, uh, that I just mentioned is part of that report, and that's what is used by the community overall as they're planning their ransomware defense. I love that. That's great that you guys share that information. I had no idea you were harvesting that much data. That's insane to me. Um, how about the conference itself? What have been the highlights for the conference so far for you? Yeah, it's it's day one for me. Uh, it's, it's it's looking very very uh, busy and amazing. Um, I'm I'm anticipating we'll be hearing a lot about generative AI, uh, large language models, as as has been a theme lately. Uh, but um, I'm looking forward to many of these sessions. Ransomware will stay at the top. I'm myself doing a talk on ransomware tomorrow at 1020 Mandalay Bay J if you're listening to this one. Um, and um, yeah, there are there are some cool vulnerability exploit related sessions as well that we're looking forward to. All right. Last question for you. What's the next big thing in cybersecurity? 
Well, I kind of mentioned it. I think every company will harness the power of generative AI. There is good guys and the bad guys. We heard about the news of um, the malicious Gen AI versions like Warm GPT and Fraud GPT out there being sold to generate phishing pages. We'll see variants that will generate malware as well. So the good guys also need to start using it more and more. And most of us are using it to make our workflows more efficient, to make it easier and faster for us to respond to these type of attacks. All right, so Deepin, next question for you. How do you recommend to my CISO audience, uh, how do you recommend that they go about protecting their shop? Yeah, so the way you look at um, when you're planning a ransomware defense is there are four distinct stages that most of these operators follow. Uh, gone are the days when you will receive an email with a payload that's, that's actually the end final stage payload. These are multi-stage attacks, and there are four distinct uh, stages that I'll call out. The first one is where they're discovering your vulnerable assets or they're, they're going after your employees that are exposed. That's where they find you, they attack you. The second stage is where they will try to compromise that, that, that entry point, whether it's your employee endpoint or a server that's exposed to the internet, uh, exploiting a vulnerability. This is the prevent compromise stage. The third and the most important stage over here is where they move laterally within the environment. And this is where the maximum damage happens. The final stage is when they will exfiltrate data. So taking a step back, when you're planning your ransomware defense, you need to think about what am I doing to hide my, my attack surface, to reduce my attack surface? That's where solutions like, say, Zscaler or Zero Trust Exchange hides your internal application, hides your users behind our proxy-based architecture so the attackers can't directly attack you. The second stage, which I mentioned, is very, very important to apply consistent security policy no matter where your users are, no matter where your assets are, whether your users are traveling at Black at conference or at home or in the office. The set of security controls should be consistently applied. The third stage, which is where they're moving laterally in the environment, this is where zero trust architecture plays a very, very important role. It should, you should ask a question, if one of my endpoints were to get compromised today, what is my blast radius? Can the threat actor move from one machine to the other leading to my crown jewel? Then you have a legacy flat network. You need to go towards user-to-app segmentation, app-to-app segmentation, use technologies like deception, app protection, to reduce that, that, surf, that the blast radius to the user's machine that made the mistake. And then finally, have consistent inline data loss prevention policy with full TLS inspection. So this is where, when they're attempting to steal your data, and I mentioned they're steal terabytes and terabytes of data, there is no reason why your DLP engine should not be able to block that and prevent that exfiltration from happening. Fantastic. Thanks again, Deepin. Let's pause right there to hear a brief word from Seraphic Security. Seraphic helps you defend your digital workplace with security and DLP for every browser and essential desktop apps like Microsoft Teams, Slack, Asana, and Notion. Protect against compromise and prevent data loss via the web with Seraphic. Learn more at seraphicsecurity.com. Hello, it's G Mark Hardy from CISO Tradecraft Podcast. It is G Mark from CISO Tradecraft. How is the Black Hat experience for you so far? So far, it's been great. Black Hat is now in the 26th year. Yeah. I was one of the few people who was privileged to be at Black Hat 1. 
I used to work with Jeff Moss back at Secure Computing in the 1990s, and we decided at DEFCON 5, well, he didn't, I didn't decide, he did, that, hey, the suits, we professionals, would pay $1,000 to listen to what people would pay 40 bucks for at DEFCON. Hate to say that, because this year it's $440 for DEFCON. Oh, that's But anyway, hysterical. we did it over at Caesars Palace, and I guess he figured if he had, like, I don't know, 80, 90 people, would have broken even. And it was worthwhile. I had over 300. And I was like, I'm on to something. And, of course, these eight, the rest is history. Oh, that's so incredible. Black Hat One, man. That's an awesome, awesome, awesome heritage. Um, you know my audience, mostly CISOs. A lot of folks who are, um, a a as I tell my sponsors, <laughs> purchasing authority but not CISOs yet. Um, but it's all practitioners, and it's usually leaders. What's your advice for these guys? I think the trick is in leadership is you have to understand there's different phases of your career. Most people who end up into cybersecurity leadership start out technical, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to finish at the top. Right. The reason being is that as a C-level officer in an organization, even if you're sort of in the junior C-suite, because after all, CISOs don't have, you can't scare them like you can as a CFO or you can't bully them around, for example, like you do as a chief um, operating officer or something like that where you have the requirements. But it turns out that when you're dealing with leadership and organizations that you have competition at the top. Somebody who's been doing GRC, somebody who's doing legal, somebody who's doing compliance might end up with that job because they know how to talk to the board. They know how to go ahead and communicate in terms of risk but not in terms of technology. So the biggest thing is to think about, and this is a talk that I gave at DEF CON back in 2008. It's been a while. And I had one of the slides that said, management or tech, choose one. Right. And so the problem is if you try to do both, I want to be technical, but I'm in management, I want to do that. You end up hitting that orange barrel full of sand between the highway and the exit because you couldn't decide. So don't right. be a squirrel. Right. Make right. a commitment. And the thing is, is that you're going to sacrifice is your technical proficiency to move up in the management, then eventually in the leadership, and then ultimately in the yep. executive ranks. Lyndon B. Johnson, famous Texas boy, of course. Uh, once said, there is nothing in the middle of the road other than yellow stripes and dead armadillos. Armadillos, yep. All right. Well, G-Mark, I appreciate you hopping on the Cyber Ranch. This is incredible. It's I been love a pleasure. Nice to see you again in uh, person this time. Yeah, I love when we get to jam out, and, and, and this is going to freak you out. We're going to take the headset off, and you're going to realize how noisy this room really is. Do I have to? You have to. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, Glenn Penley, Chief Technology Officer at Tenable. Tenable. So I'm a huge Tenable fan. Just so you know, uh, I've used Tenable since uh, way back when. I've been in cyber 25 years, and it seems like you guys have been a part of my journey all the way through. Uh, what is your absolute favorite part about working for Tenable? Well, I've been here quite a while. Uh, it's about 14 years. And I think the, the thing I like most is that we're continually trying to, to kind of innovate and, and keep up with the changing market and security landscape versus just sitting back and Oh, all we do is enumerate CVEs. There's much more to security, and we continue to be focused in, in keeping up with that. I love that. So what's uh, what's top of mind then for you in cybersecurity right now? It's probably the same thing that's top of mind of everybody, uh, AI. Uh, you know, this week at Black Hat, we're announcing, you know, our exposure graph, exposure AI, which is, you know, in line with our larger exposure management reimagining as a company where we're treating preventative security more like a big data problem, programmatically identifying uh, actual risk by looking at multiple uh, parts of the attack surface and how can we leverage AI in a way to make it more consumable and easy for people to, to take advantage of. 
Fantastic. So uh, the conference itself, what's the best part so far of what you've done? Um, other than talking to you, um, I, I always really enjoy talking with customers uh, and prospects and getting a better idea of, of what people are going through. I always feel that real innovation coming uh, comes from people that are empathetic for what people are trying to accomplish and figuring out novel ways to do it. So anytime I have an opportunity to really sit down with customers at length and see what they're trying to accomplish, it's always super fun for me. I love that. I'm, I'm, I've always been a very customer-facing uh, CISO myself. Um, your customers tend to be CISOs and the folks who report to them. What message do you have for the CISOs who listen to my show? I think the one thing to keep in mind, and I'm, I'm seeing the transition now, but I like you, I've been in security for, for quite a long time, you know, treating a lot of, especially the preventative security, like the assessment of stuff, not like a compliance exercise, but actually treating it like a security exercise and trying to identify and, and address things that are actually at risk to the business versus just, we have the standard operating procedure. We patch these vulnerabilities like, there's much more that mindset needs to shift if you legitimately want to reduce, you know, potential exploit in your environment. So don't treat it like a compliance exercise. I love that. Let's tackle the actual risks and not just check boxes. All right. So you mentioned AI. Um, AI to me, you know, it, it's been oversold some. Uh, a lot of folks have claimed to have it when they didn't have it. It seems like it's really, truly coming into its own now. Why does AI matter? I think AI is is always mattered. Um, I think in the past, uh, you know, what people were were considering what AI was really wasn't AI to your point. But there's more to AI than just generative AI and you know you, the usage of large language models. I think the difference now is the practical applicability of things like large language models, Gen AI, to a broader set of population and kind of the the benefits of what Gen AI can bring and. You know, I tell people this, I get asked all the time about Gen AI. You know, people look at it like it's Skynet, it's going to take over the world. And it's it's not a super exciting sort of response. But at the end of the day, Gen AI makes people much more efficient at what they do. It does nothing that a human couldn't do. It just makes it much people much more efficient, which means the bad guys can be much more efficient at what they do, whether it's reconnaissance, whether it's, you know, new types of attack vectors, but finding new zero days, it's still... They're just quicker at doing it. And from a defender perspective, I think Gen AI brings a lot of opportunity for obviously the people that are already in place to be much more efficient, but also lowering the bar and uh, bringing the explainability around what a security, in, like a, an event or whatever it might be to more people. Uh, for example, one of the things that we're announcing is better explainability in some of our products. And one of those products is our attack path application. You know, today it maps together all of this data that we have and says this machine can get exploited and move laterally, blah, blah, blah. It does all that. And if you were a real like security professional, like that makes sense. Oh, I know this MITRE attack. You know, I know the framework, this is this. And, but anybody else would look at it and be like, I guess it's bad because they're telling me it's bad. Well, how do I fix it? So just using large language models to better explain things, I think is such a huge opportunity for us all companies uh, to leverage in ways to to drive better efficiency and output from the folks, customers that are buying our products. And that's a big part of like what we're launching this week is just making it easier for people to consume and make better decisions. 
That's a fantastic answer. All right, well, thank you so much for your time. You're talking with Kane McGladry. What do you do? I am the field CISO for Hyperproof, and I am a senior member of the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. Oh, I love it. The IEEE. The IEEE, man. That's uh, I haven't talked to an IEEE person in a while now. What, um, what's been your highlight so far for Black Hat? Uh, you know, I think meeting friends and getting back together with people in person and talking to other CISOs about the challenges associated with managing business risk as opposed to cyber risk because the two are unfortunately conflated as being different, All and they're not. The time. They are the same. All the time. We act like cyber risk is some big, important, super, super duper CISO thing we need to talk about, and it's like, no, nah, you're just a subset guy. Yeah, it, it's all about managing business risk at That's the end exactly of the day and preventing outcomes. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, man, um, appreciate you dropping by. Appreciate you chatting. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, thank Fan- you so much. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. Me, Honeywell, CEO and co-founder of Tall Poppy. Tall Poppy. Lee has been on the show before, but never in a Black Hat context. What's your highlight of the Black Hat uh, experience so far for you? So I've mostly been doing B-sides this year and just meeting folks around the the con. Um, It's just been so great to see folks that I haven't seen since before the pandemic. Um, I've been back to Vegas since I'm... uh, we, I think we talked about this on a previous call. Like, I, I actually secretly love Vegas, <laughs> not so secretly. And um, just being back in the city, seeing folks that I haven't seen in forever. Yeah, it's been fabulous. Right on. So, um, CISO audience, what's your advice for them? What's your, what's your tips, advice, or what would you like a CISO to know? If you're not able to fund sending your team to stuff like this, give them free PTO. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's a brilliant one. All right. Well, Even we, if you don't know the budget, just like just don't write down that that PTO day. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. All right. Thank you, Lee. You're welcome. Hey, everybody. It's Masha Sadova. Masha, what do you do? I am the co-founder of Elevate Security. Elevate Security. And I have uh, seen your presentations, and I've seen what your company is up and about to. But in case my listeners don't know, give us a quick overview. Yeah, so 8% of employees cause about 80% of incidents for most organizations. And so what we help organizations do is quantify user risk, essentially creating a security credit score for folks, and then um, at taking action on that visibility. So bubble wrapping your high-risk users and actually uh, providing targeted feedback and communication to people when they're doing a great job. There it is. And, and folks, for those who don't know, Masha is a leader in this space in cybersecurity. I've seen her presentation. She is outstanding at this. So let me ask you this. Black Hat 2023, what's been the best thing so far? You know, I feel like... There's been a lot of pressure, financial pressure on vendors. So vendors have actually down, uh, turned down their big parties, and there's a lot more organic popping up of yeah. like intimate one-on-one or small gatherings yeah. instead of the big headliner nightclub kind of parties. And that's that's for me always been my favorite part of Black Hat, yeah. and it feels like there's a better proportion of, of practitioners and CISOs. And fewer vendors here. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm really enjoying the, the quality of actual conversations I've I've had I like uh, that. compared to compared to years past. I like that. It's you know one thing I've noticed um, as my podcast career has you know grown. This is the first year that I was approached as the press, and I've had a million and one conversations with like high level ranking folks at the different vendors because they wanted to be on my podcast, like. So I, I spent all day yesterday recording people that were on the vendor side of the house, which I don't normally get to do. I always talk to practitioners. So I had some really fascinating conversations, and it was crazy, like PR companies reaching out to me and saying, 
our CTO at such and such firm wants to talk to you. You know, like I was like, wow, okay, cool, let's that, talk. That's wonderful. So I've had, I've had these brilliant one-on-one vendor interactions, which is something I'd never done as a practitioner, something I'd never done as a vendor. And here I am as a podcaster getting this cool moment, you know? And were they sharing their pitches or were they sharing insights about what they're seeing in the market, a I, combo? I'm asking them the same questions I ask everybody. Like, what's what's big? Yeah. What's coming? Yeah. What's got you excited? Yeah. And, you know, some of them pitch. Um, yeah. But other times they're talking about, like, you know, yeah, we're over here in this particular niche in cyber because we think this is what's coming and we want to tackle it before it gets here. Yeah. And so it's still meaningful information. You know what I mean? Did 100% of them talk about AI? Uh, only 33%. Okay. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. (laughs) Not too bad at all. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me, uh, at, uh, at our incredibly noisy gathering, which these headsets just, aren't they freaking amazing? so wonderful. I'm Nate Warfield. I work for Eclipsium. And what do you do for Eclipsium? I'm the director of threat research and intelligence. I lead a team. We hunt for vulnerabilities in firmware, hopefully get them fixed, and we just get to break things and and make the world safer in the process. I love that. Breaking things is probably the funnest part of the job. All right, so let me ask you a high-level question here. Um, What do you think is the next big thing in cybersecurity? So I think the next big thing in cyber is probably going to be as this we're sort of hitting this nexus of the U.S. government trying to push policies and sort of what's gone from best practice guidelines is now becoming more mandated policy. And I think what we're going to start seeing is as the government rolls this out, as uh, agencies are forced to adopt things like SBOM and more supply chain visibility, what's going to happen is there's going to be a trickle down effect where they're going to be coming to customer to companies and saying, hey, if you want to do business with the U.S. government, you need to support X, Y, Z, different things that, that CISA is mandating that we have. And I think that that to a point is going to start to drive um, hopefully some of the adoption and hopefully uh, um, some of the more uh, prevalence of technologies that we haven't. We, you know, we're all still getting people are still getting hacked because they have passwords and no 2FA. You know, people are still leaving things on the Internet that they shouldn't. Um, as I think that's, that's whole, I hate to say the government's going to fix it, but I think that at a certain point it's going to help. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm not a huge regulation guy. I'm a Texan after all. Um, but, uh, but I do think that there's some really good driving force behind regulation when it comes to cybersecurity that, that, yeah, we, we need some more of that pressure. You know, as a CISO, I've, I've run into time and time again, why do we need to do it? Why do we need to do it? And you have to come up with really strong business cases, or you can say, well, we have to do it. Right. And we have to do it as always the quickest and easiest answer. So what do you think is the um, you know, what what's what, what what are you jazzed about in cyber? What's got you thrilled? What's got you excited? What do you think? You know, we've talked about what the next thing is. Um, what's got you uh, what's got you thinking uh, is coming? So, I mean, there's a few there's a few interesting things. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into the I don't, I don't like the stuff that's sort of the flavor of the month, all of the you know machine learning that people call something else that it's not. Um, but I do think that some of the, as we're starting to get these more transparency into where things are coming from, these, you know, these supply chain attacks that are happening either at the code level or at hardware level, um, I think that, that being able to get more visibility into this stuff, the things that make me excited, at least in my job is being able to say, okay, now there's, there's a lot more interest in people hacking low level stuff. Right. And as I go and dig through, and as my team goes and digs through things, we find just egregious flaws in in very mission critical stuff but it's like the 90s called and they want their vulnerabilities back right so to me the exciting thing is that now we get to go and look and and secure a layer of computing that has kind of been overlooked for a couple of decades and there's a lot of work to be done but it also means there's a lot of cool stuff that we're going to get to do i love that thank you so much for your time thank you and have a great time at black hat rich Perthea. rich what do you do 
I am a cybersecurity looking for a job. Cybersecurity looking for a job, folks. Y'all want to hire Rich? I talked to Rich earlier in the evening. He's got his chops. Y'all should talk to him. Let me ask you this, Rich. What's your highlight of the Black Hat show so far? Uh, the discussions of AI, which I know a lot of people won't want to hear, but I always think it's interesting. Right on. You know, there's there's reality to AI. There's depth to AI. There's all kinds of stuff about AI. It gets over-marketed. It gets overblown. It gets overhyped. But there's a reality there or it wouldn't be talked about in the first place, right? Exactly. So what, what to you, what's the critical reality of AI? What, what matters? The ability for humans to use it to do their jobs better versus AI taking over the world. I love it. I love it short circuit and simplify wasteful human process let the computer do the thing exactly can do and let's move on with our lives exactly i love it man all right well listen thank you for the brief chat on the podcast and thanks so much for coming out thank you rob lebay the uh cso in residence and ceo of the mining and metals isac all right the mining and metals isac there is an isac for everybody these days it seems like i'm, I'm super glad to see that i want to see that cooperation and that sharing in the community known threats and all that good stuff. What's the value of ISAC to you? Really, it's about collaboration. We know our adversaries are very good at it. And so really, no matter your size, you can't do it alone. You got to work together as a group. Cybersecurity is a team sport. So what do you think of the conference so far? What have you done so far? So far, so good. It's been uh, CISO day yesterday, which is always a great chance to work with peers. It's a really high value day. Um, and then the rest of it really is meetings back to back for the rest of the event. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Lots of meetings, lots of recordings. And you know what? I tried to get into the CISO summit yesterday with my media pass and it turns out media is not allowed to CISO summit. I was cracking up because I am a CISO, right? Like, uh, but I, but I'm traveling under the media pass today. I got my bright red, uh, <laughs> bright red sticker and they didn't let me in. So what did you get out of the CISO summit? What did you think was really interesting? Really the CISO summit the interesting views on where AI is going to take us. Um, we really have a split of opinion of folks that think it's not a big deal. It's just going to optimize what we do now right to the, it's the end of the world of, you know, and we're all going to be out of jobs. And I think that split of opinion and trying to find that middle ground in discussion is interesting. I love that. Well, listen, thank you so much for talking with me. Any final thoughts for my listeners? I think the overall theme here coming out of Black Hat or, or thinking about not just AI, but resilience. Um, one thing we've learned this year with, you know, move it and everything else is we're all going to get a turn and we have to figure out how to get that incident not to be a material breach for us. So it's that resilience, I think, that's the big thing to focus on this year. I love it. Well, thanks again. 